um, we've been in this sermon series called On Purpose. And the, the series we named On Purpose, On Purpose, because it's helping us discover and explore those places of our own purpose and our meaning and what God has assigned to us as um, who we should be in this world. And over the last few weeks, we've been exploring what it means to, to actually not look outside ourselves and, and, and looking at the world and, and vocational training and understanding you know, gifts, talents, abilities, and, and actually realizing that first we have to take a journey inward. And through spiritual transformation and the, the work of God um, renewing us and uncovering who God has made us to be, then gives us the ability to have this, this stance and this posture of displaying and expressing God's love to the world and assigning a purpose that comes from the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we, we started off each week looking at the book of Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul um, assigns to the people this, this important identity for them. And he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, he says, for we are God's masterpiece. So he's saying to the people of God, like, you are God's masterpiece. You are this beautiful display of who God has made you to be, and that God has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so we see from this verse, is this is kind of like the starting line to the conversation for us, that number one, we know that we were created by God to be a beautiful masterpiece, and that God has assigned purpose for us. And the purpose is to do the good things that God wants to see in this world. But as we've seen over the last few weeks, that there's a, a deeper way of um, relating to others, a deeper way of understanding who we are that has to come from first knowing God and going God deeply. And so when we think about this starting place, we remember that first is this, you know, we see it in, in the book of Genesis in this beautiful creation story that we were made, God has given us God's image. We were made in God's image, the Imago Dei. And then out of that, we become an expression of God in the world. There's this Jewish proverb that I came across and I love it, but it, it says, before every person, there marches an angel proclaiming, behold, the image of God. Now, whether you take that literally or figuratively is up to you, but I love what it's trying to convey there to us is that as we move throughout this world, as we move throughout this life, there's this proclaiming of the fact that we are an image of God, and that is for everyone and for all people. And yet, when we come to this place of trying to understand our purpose, our identity, our meaning, so many times what can happen is we can shift into this place where we start to, we start to put ourselves at the center of that pursuit and that seeking rather than putting God at the center of all of it and saying, God, I want to seek more and more after you and that out of that, then I discover my purpose my meaning. And it's very easy to shift into this place of, of making it about us and about ourselves. And yet what we come back to is understanding that the ultimate meaning and purpose for us has already been defined by God because we were created by God, because we were given an, an image to bear that is God's image. We've captured this in, in the language that Jesus talks about in Matthew 22, where he says, you know, he's being challenged by the religious people. Like, what's the greatest law? What's the most important? And, and you that have been here each week and heard the sermon, you know this, that Jesus responds and he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, everything that you are, all that encompasses that you are. It, it, you should be loving the Lord your God. And that out of that, then, as we discover this place of loving God with all that we are, there's this second commandment that Jesus gives to then love others as ourself, right? That first our assigned purpose is, is to love God with all that we are, and we've talked about that in uncovering and removing the false self and discovering the true self that God's created us to be. But then out of that, we have this responsibility to then love others as we love ourselves. 
But our, yourself, loving others as you love yourself is such an important part of it. It's an important dynamic because I don't know about you, but sometimes what I've discovered, especially as a pastor and the more that I've talked with people, that dynamic of being able to love yourself is actually pretty hard to do. It's actually pretty challenging to be in a place of loving ourselves because we know what's wrong with ourselves. I know what's wrong with me. I know the places that I want to see change in my own life. I know the places where I feel like here's the mark and I don't measure up. And so then what happens is I can fall into this pattern, this way of thinking, and it comes again. It comes from the false self where we, we shift in these places of, of thinking so negatively about ourselves that we realize that um, we've, we've taken on an identity or a way of viewing ourselves where we actually are not so much loving and caring for ourselves, but we're just kind of tolerating ourselves. And, and what God has called us to do is to love others, but to love others as we love ourselves. And if you think about it, and this again, this goes back to that image of God, that if we're going to relate to our neighbors in a way of truly being able to love them and, and, and love the image of God that they bear, we have to first accept the fact that I am loved by God. And so I have to ask you today, as we think about this, this pursuit of, of understanding our purpose and understanding our meaning, are you a person who has come to a place of accepting that you are God's beloved, that you have meaning and purpose because you are loved by God? And then out of that, can you actually love who you are in Christ Jesus? Because that's really where the hinge of all of this happens. Because we can be people who shift real quickly into doing things for God, but we've never actually dealt with what's below the surface of our life that actually allows us to fully love God, to, to actually fully love ourselves and who God is and that we're a work in process. We know that, that there's, there's construction to break as God's working on us. And then that out of that, because we've so freely received God's love, we then have the ability to give expression to that in the world. And we talked about that last week of the, the spiritual gifts and the, the ways that the Holy Spirit gives us talent and ability and, and even the fruit of the Spirit to be this expression and this display of God's love in the world. But we have to follow all of it back to the core and the root and understand that we need to be in this free flow exchange of a person who is pursuing and desiring to love God fully. But then at the same time, we're a person who understands that we are loved by God and that that's actually changing our perspective. It's changing our understanding of who we are because we're in a place of actually being able to love ourselves and see the process and the progress that God is making in us. Reverend Michael Curry, he's, he's the, the bishop of the Episcopal Church, he says this, he writes this, and I, I love the way he phrases it. He says, the ability to love yourself is intimately related to your capacity to love others. The challenge is creating a life that allows you to fulfill both needs. There's this tension that gets set up, and I've talked about it, where we can get so much on the pursuit of self and trying to see God work in us and see transformation and change happening in us that we start to miss the fact that we've actually been called to love others. Like out of that, we've been called to love others. But then at the same time, we can come to a place where we get so focused on the doing doing for God, trying to serve others, loving others, that we get caught up in this, um, almost the, like the, the hamster in the wheel that's just spinning, 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 where we're trying to do all of that because we're avoiding 
actually addressing what's below the surface in our life, what's, what's, what's underneath that God's desiring to uncover. And so there's this simultaneous work, and I think this is what he's referring to, where, where God is, and it's this tension where God is working in us, and then there's free flow that comes out of that to then us loving others, and, and how all of that comes together to this place of us understanding our purpose in the world is, again, not so much about figuring out vocation. It's not even so much about, you know, making, making this difference that, you know, exists beyond our lifetime, but it's actually us being a people who walk in humility, who walk in humbleness, who are, who are constantly in a pursuit and a desire to see God working deeply in us and being transformed by God, but then not holding that in, but actually allowing that to be expressed. You know, some of the ways that we talked about this, and I want to I just move through this quickly, um, but last week we identified some of these, these expressions of, of what God is doing in us as the, you know, the gifts of the Spirit or, or the fruit of the Spirit. And we see this in, in different places in Paul's writing, but in 1 Corinthians 12, he names things like, you know, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, the apostles, teachers, you know, gifts of, of serving and assistance, um, gifts of leadership. In Romans, Paul talks about, again, prophecy, you know, ministry to others, teaching, you know, giving, giving extravagantly, leading, showing mercy. And then in Galatians, we talked about that that wonderful list of the fruit of the Spirit, where God, um, through the Holy Spirit, starts to produce this, this fruit out of the, the seeds and the work of the, the soil that God's doing in us, where then it starts to look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so as we see, this list goes on and all, on and on, and there's a variety of ways that we can express what our, our purpose is in the world. But all that is as an, an expression of what we already know to be true deep within us, that we belong to God and that we are deeply loved by God. We even are reminded, as Paul names all these different you know, um, expressions, that first and primarily these, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant to strengthen the body, meant to not our physical body, but Christ's body, the church. And so there's this coming together that starts to happen where as we start to understand and identify who we are, and, and as we start to put to death the false self and living out of our true self, that we start to move into a place of being able to see these expressions. But the expressions aren't, again, just to go out there and make a name for ourselves or go out there and, and do good things so that people will think kindly of us. But it's actually for the body of Christ to be strengthened, to be built up for then the expression of God in the world. And so then we see these wonderful stories like in the book of Acts where the believers are, are helping to take care of one another and, and they're, they're meeting one another's needs. And there's this amazing way that God is strengthening and building up the body of Christ as it's coming together, but all of that flowing from the source of life that is the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's important for us, again, to come back to our understanding that first and foremost, before anything else that we would do and express as we talk about this place of our purpose in the world, is understanding that we are sons and daughters of God, that we simply belong to God. And so in that, there's not this like um, relentless pursuit and, and, and vain attempts of trying to like make ourselves feel important or, or show how, how valid we are, but we come back to a place of knowing that we are a son and a daughter of God. And then we rest in the simplicity of that and we let go of all of the, all of the outcomes, all of the, you know, the goals and the five-year plan, and we can surrender all those things and we can rest in God's hands and know that we belong to him. And then out of that, God starts doing things amazing in our life, but we then don't get to take credit for it. We just surrender it back to God. Look at this biblical example for me. 
And I love the way that this kind of brings together what we've been talking about. But in, in 1 Samuel, in the Old Testament, we see this story where, you know, um, you've, you know King David, you've heard of King David, and, you know, he's the, he's the psalmist, he's described as, you know, a man after God's own heart, and, and really doing some amazing big things for the, the kingdom of God and, and for the people of God in the Old Testament. But in the beginning of his story, we see where David was pretty simple. He was pretty young. He was a shepherd. He tended to sheep. He was youngest of his brothers. He was, you know, not even by the way the scripture describes him, one that would have even been thought of as a person who would eventually become king. And yet there's this moment in, in 1 Samuel where the prophet of God comes to, to David's family and he, he knows he's been led by the Spirit of God that, you know, there, there's a person here that is going to be the one that needs to be anointed that will become king. So he wasn't becoming king at that moment, but just being identified by the Spirit of God. And then we see in 1 Samuel, after the, the prophet, he's kind of, he's had this back and forth, and, and like, is it this one? Is it that one? Is it this one? And, and, you know, David hadn't even been in the picture. They hadn't even called him in from the field yet. <laughs> and, and so he comes in, and then the Spirit of the Lord speaks to the prophet Samuel, and he says this, and this is 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so there's this, this saying, you know, we talk about this, like man looks at the outward, God looks at the inward. But there's this calling out that, that God is doing here in this moment where it's identifying the calling and the way that, you know, it's not about how a person appears. It's not about even the expression of gifts, but it's the understanding that deep below the surface, this is a person who, who is identified by God as having value and worth. And for us, we see again by relationship the fact that we are called sons and daughters of God. We have belonging. And so David, you know, he spent the beginning of his life really in, in obscurity. He spent the beginning of his life tending to his father's sheep. They weren't even his own sheep, but out of that practice, of, of being in the fields, of tending to the sheep. He's, he's sharpening his musical skills. He's, he's writing songs. But at the same time, he's doing what shepherds do. They protect the flock. And so he fends off the, 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 um, those that would be attacking the, the sheep, you know, a lion, a bear. And then later we see this moment where, you know, Goliath, you know the story, David and Goliath, right? And, and Goliath is coming against God's people, this Philistine. And there's this moment where, you know, David has gone to visit his brothers, and he's like, why isn't anything, anybody doing anything about this? And, and then he goes before the king, King Saul, and he says, you know, I, I want to go out, and I want to put to death Goliath. I want to defend God's people. And, of course, they're same thing. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. And he's, like, pretty adamant. So then what do they do? They try to put armor on him to send him out with at least a little bit of protection. And he's like, man, I can't even move in this. I don't want this armor. And so he takes that off, and he walks out in his, his simple self, before Goliath, and he eventually puts Goliath to death. We know this. But look at what is captured in the scriptures, and I love this because it relates so closely to what we've been talking about. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, David persists. He says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw, I club it to death. This is the same David who they weren't even willing to anoint as king because he's like, ah, he's kind of small. He doesn't really fit what we're looking for. But he's going out and he's like beating to death a lion or a bear. And then verse 36, I have done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine, referring to Goliath. 
For he has defied the armies of the living God. And then verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And what's happening here is is David is pointing to the fact that like, I don't need this this false armor to protect myself. I don't need to put on this this false way of of being perceived as stronger than I am. I'm going to set that aside. And will you please just let me run the race that God has given me? I know God's faithfulness. I've seen God's faithfulness before. And so I'm just going to walk in it. Talk about a person who understood his purpose, and it wasn't about a job. It wasn't about this, this ability to have, you know, assign a greater and higher purpose. He says, you know what, where all of this comes from, what does he say? The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. It's this place of saying, I know who God is. I know what God has already shown me to be faithful in, in, in different situations, and so now I walk into what's in front of me with strength and purpose because I know who God is. Not because I'm so strong that I can club a bear in the head, which is pretty cool. I couldn't do it. But like, it's this place of saying, like, I know the faithfulness of God, and now I can walk in faith. I can walk in confident hope. I know that I am one who is loved by God. Author, Pastor John Eldridge, he writes this, and I love the way he phrases this. I think we have this to put on the screen. But he, he, he's defining words, faith, love, and hope. And this is, this is what he says. Faith is something that looks backward. We remember the ways God has come through for his people and for us, and our belief is strengthened that he will come through again. Love is exercised in the present moment. We love in the now, in this moment now. Hope Hope is unique. Hope looks forward, anticipating the good that is coming. Hope reaches into the future to take hold of something we do not yet have and may not yet even see. So when we talk about our purpose, when we talk about understanding who God's made us to be, this is the tension that we live in. We can see the faithfulness of God. We can see what God has done before. And we live in this present moment now where we're just trying to experience the love of God, but yet there is hope in our heart that reaches, I love the way he says it, reaches into the future and takes hold of something that's not yet to be and maybe not even yet seen. And maybe that's where you are today is you're, you're in this place where you're like, man, I, I wish God would just send me a letter and help me know my purpose and you know, what I'm supposed to do next and how to handle this decision and how to walk forward in that. But I think similar to what we've seen in David's life and what's being referred to here, even in the scriptures, is that there's this ability to have a confident hope for the future and our purpose and in the expression of what God's going to do through us because we know the faithfulness of God that has come before us. And so then we walk into the present moment now and saying, okay, I don't need to know 12 steps ahead, but God, I will in this moment now continue to walk with you and I will have hope for the future because of what you are doing in my life now and what you have done before and what you have done for those around me and what you have done through the scriptures and what you have done all throughout time. And so then I can walk into a confident hope of the future because I know my purpose and my purpose is not to go out and make a huge name for myself. My purpose is to live as a son or a daughter of God. I want to invite Pastor Kristen to come and um, to share part of her story and what God's been doing in her, and it relates so well to what um, we've been discovering and exploring as a church over these last few weeks, and so I wanted her to be able to have a moment to share this with you, um, and then we'll, we'll come together and, and begin to wrap things up and pray together after. Good morning again. <laughs> It's been a little while since I've been up here, but um, 
you know, I love the sermon series that we're in, and it's been difficult to not, like, want to jump into his, like, sermon preparation and get all in the middle of it and be like, oh, you know, let's talk about this or let's talk about that, but this is just a season where God has kind of asked me to step back a little bit and and do some other things, and so um, he did, you know, say, you know, why don't you share a little bit about what God has been doing in you, and so uh, for those you know, most of you know kind of a little bit of my story. Um, some of you don't know any of my story, but, you know, I will just say it like this um, in, in application to what we're talking about here is it's just a, it's, it's a speaking to the faithfulness, the love, and the hope of God, just like Brad was just talking about. Um, that when you're in the, the midst of this place in your life where everything feels so unknown and so uncertain and, and you, you want so deeply as we're talking through the sermon series to just know my purpose, you're like, yeah, I'm so glad we're talking about this because, yes, this is what's on my heart. God, what do you really want for my life? Um, and yet it can feel so unknown and it can feel like it's just barely out of reach. And I've been there. In fact, I was there for, I would say, probably about almost 20 years. <laughs> uh, maybe not quite that long, but I'm turning 38 this year. And for whatever reason, it took me to almost 40 for me to really be able to settle into a place of contentment of who I was in Christ to who and knowing and, and being confident in who God had created me to be and all the ways that he's wired me and gifted me and, and all of those things to then really be moving into what God has created me to do. Now, for those of you that are younger in this room, I hope it doesn't take you that long, but it did take me that long. And for some of you that are older than me, you're like, yeah, well, I'm kind of still on that path <laughs> and I'm still on that journey. But here's the thing, when I entered into, you know, when I was 18 and I, I was kind of like, you know, all of us, when we hit 18, it's like, what am I doing with my life? I did not know who I was. I didn't know um, what was possible for me, you know, and I didn't know, um, even as I began to learn what was possible for me, I didn't think I would ever be able to measure up to it. And what I mean by that is I actually went to school and my degree that I'm still paying student loans for, by the way, um, is a bachelor's in theater speech education, secondary education with a minor in biblical studies. And so um, that's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> if you think of where I am today, some of you are probably like, what? <laughs> it is confusing. Yeah, absolutely. But did you know that I entered into my bachelor's knowing that one of my purposes in my life as far as the doing was to be just serving God in ministry? Like I just wanted to serve God in the church. And it really didn't matter so much to me if it was volunteer or if it was paid or if it was full-time or part-time. I just knew I wanted to serve Jesus. That's what I was most passionate about, was serving Jesus. But in the area that I grew up in, I knew no female pastors. I didn't know um, any, any female pastor, any female that was actually operating in leadership in the church. Um, I, of course, knew the, the wives of the pastors, and, and so I thought I'll be a pastor's wife. I will be the wife of the pastor. I knew Brad was wanting to go into ministry himself. And so I just had to find a degree that could work with being a pastor's wife. So I could be available in the summers and in the evenings and things like that. And I look back on that and I could have a lot of resentment and feel like, God, man, I feel tricked a little bit. And I feel like I entered the world in a deficit. But I look back on that and I don't really have that resentment anymore. I don't really, you know, like the fact that I'm paying for loans on a degree I'm not using. But as I look back since then, over the last 20 years, almost 20 years of my life, it has just been a journey of discovering that your purpose is not about what you do. Your purpose is not about what you're putting your hand to necessarily. That comes later. But the first and foremost part of our purpose is knowing 
knowing, as Brad said, that we are a child of God, knowing who we are in Christ and, and knowing that God has created us to, to be and live in this world in a way that models after his love and models after his compassion and models after his kindness. And I truly believe that if we can get in that place where we rest in the contentment that, you know what, it actually doesn't matter how much money I'm making. It doesn't matter what the role or the title or the position that I have in life is. It doesn't matter what my status is in life. None of those things actually really matter in the end because I can be content in who God has made me to be. I am a son and a daughter of God. So when I was in the season where I was a barista at Starbucks, you know, I knew God had made me to be a, a person with a character of a pastor, someone who was a shepherd, someone who kind of dove into people's hearts and lives and, and wanted to lead them to Jesus and wanted to teach them God's word and, and disciple them and help them know who God was and, and be compassionate in that. I knew that there was like this counseling um, desire and counseling gift that was rising up in me that God was showing me through my own experience of pain and, and journey of, of difficulty and loss that God was creating in me. And I was like, being a barista at Starbucks is not a pastor and it's not a counselor, but that doesn't matter because that's not what I do. That's who God has created me to be. So I don't care if I'm making you coffee at Starbucks or if I'm standing in front of you at the, at the uh, grocery store, if I'm sitting in the restaurant or I'm sitting across from my friend across the table, I'm going to pastor you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to counsel you if God opens the door for it because that is who God has created me to be. So God, if you never open the door for me to get my master's, if you never open the door, for me to, to be paid as a pastor. I'm okay with that, God, because I am in content that I know who I am in you and that I know who you have created me to be and I can be that in any and every situation in life in any and every season of life, whether I'm pastoring my kids at home, I'm pastoring my husband, I'm counseling my kids, I'm pastoring my kids, or I'm pastoring or counseling any other person that God puts on my path. It's not about a paycheck. It's not about a role and a title. And God has been so faithful in that. And I can tell you, I don't have time to tell you, but you guys have heard some of it of like the darkness that I have been in my mental health, the darkness that I have been, the crisis that I faced, that part of the reason I didn't know who I was because, was because of the dysfunction that I grew up in in my family and the trauma that I experienced in my family at times growing up that I, I went into the world and we all go into the world with masks and pretense of who we really are because we have learned as a child how to cope and how to survive and be okay in this world and then prove ourselves to other people. We're trying to prove to ourselves we're okay. We're trying to prove to God we're okay. And we're trying to prove to other people that we're okay. And we learn those ways of being in the world from when we are a child all the way through to adulthood and the life experiences that we face. And this is what we've been talking about in this series of shedding the false self of God, pulling away all those ways that we have worn masks, that we have tried to prove ourselves, that we have tried to gain acceptance and belonging in different places at different times. And God just on a journey, pulling that stuff away, not happening overnight, but just a journey, a beautiful broken, hard journey of day by day, letting God change us, letting God transform us. And that's been the last 20 years of my life. And I will say part of my testimony, like praise God, is that I'm moving in a season of my life where it really didn't matter to me. I went and got my master's and I didn't feel like I was called to be a licensed state counselor but everybody else, if you're counseling, someone wants a licensed state counselor. But I just knew God did not ask me to do that. And so I had to follow what God asked me to do. 
And then after I finish my master's, God just brings and opens up the door for a job, a position, a role that is so perfectly fit for my gifting and my ability and the journey that I have been on. And I don't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it. And I didn't insist on it. And I would have been okay if it wasn't happening because I learned to be okay. But God, I believe, I truly believe that I, that I am seeing a harvest of the seeds that I have sown that God is allowing me to reap goodness because I sowed seeds of trusting in him, of believing in his faithfulness, and of letting him do the deep, hard work in me, not because I'm perfect, because I can tell you that, number one, I think you should have a licensed counselor in the job that I'm in just because they know more than me, that there is a whole lot of other things that should be if I was to really fit in this and do a good job. And yet I know that just as David, God called David, that was small, and, and you know, they didn't think that he could do it, and they, and, and they didn't think that he had it in him. It doesn't really matter. So now that I know who I am and I know what's possible, I know that I can be anything God has created me. It doesn't matter if I'm a female or not. Let's hear it for the women. Amen. All right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's right. (laughs) It doesn't matter if I am a woman in leadership. It doesn't matter any of those things. I know what's possible because God can do anything with any one of us. Your gender doesn't matter. Your cultural identity doesn't matter. Your ethnicity doesn't matter. Like God has created to do amazing things and the world ultimately can't hold us back. Okay, amen, when God has a purpose for us. So I know what's possible. And then now I know in, in what's possible that I can't do it, <laughs> that I'm scared out of my mind on a regular basis, that I feel completely overwhelmed. And it's even hard to sometimes admit to that and say, I don't know what I'm doing. But I know because God has taught me in that shedding of my false self that I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I only need to come to the feet of Jesus and I need to trust in God to equip me, to empower me, and to strengthen me. And I know that I can walk in whatever he's called me to do. And I didn't ask Delicia to, to let me do this, but that I just think Delicia, the work that she did in moving into leading a Bible study, she can tell you her own story. And she told it to the women on Wednesday, but she thought she uh, knew God had put that in her heart and she stepped out in faith and did it. And Delicia, you say you're scared out of your mind, right? Yeah. Didn't think you could do that. Yeah, absolutely. And Delicia said, but you know what? It's by my act of obedience and following God that I believe other people will be blessed by this and that other people will be able to see Jesus through that. And I believe that in our Bible study on Wednesday night, that other people were were able to see Jesus through Delicia's obedience, even though it overwhelmed her. There's others of you in here that are, are stepping out or you are feeling it in your heart. God is calling you to step out in faith, to serve Jesus in some way beyond your vocation, beyond your career, beyond all of those things that put money in the bank. Those are amazing things that God gives us, and we find purpose in them and fulfillment sometimes. But ultimately, what is God calling you to to be in him? And what is God calling you to do in him, to serve him, to show his love, to model his love in the world? And that's what we do. And that's what we step out in. And then we know that no matter how big it feels, no matter how uncertain it feels, no matter what we're going to have to sacrifice to walk in that, we know that God will equip us. We know that God will empower us. And I can tell you by just, again, a testimony that I'm a witness to it, that there is incredible freedom 
there is incredible freedom, right, Delicia? When you step out in faith, you're scared out of your mind, and it's a little overwhelming and stressful, but when you actually make the step and do it, there is a freedom. It breaks strongholds in your life as you take that step of faith that God's asking you to do. So, yes, I have a new job, and I'm excited about that, and I'm thankful for that. Absolutely. But honestly, in the end, it's something on loan to me. It's just a gift. It's a gift that God has given me in this season. I don't own it. I don't possess it. It's just a gift. It stays surrendered in his hands because I know ultimately my purpose is not in that job. My purpose is in who I am in Christ and who he's created me to be. And my prayer and our prayer is that for our community of faith that you guys are learning this and taking a hold of this um, and that there's freedom and joy in all of that. And I'm going to go ahead and hand it off because you guys know me. I'll, I'll go ahead and just close it out and pray and take over. <laughs> do the whole thing. So I'm going to jump over like several pages of my notes here um, because that was good, better than I could have said it. And I think, again, what I hope you're catching here is the fact that the work of God is, is long. And, and sometimes it feels very slow, and sometimes it feels even imperceptible of what God is doing. And so you maybe, even over the last few weeks, have been in a place where, as we've talked about, confronting the false self and naming it and, and beginning to set that aside and, and starting to come to a truer self. And you may feel as though, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, so okay, God, what are you doing? Well, understand that this is a process that is lifelong. You hear that in the story of what, you know, Pastor Kristen is sharing about herself and, and what she's experienced, but we see it even in, in David's story, where his confronting and, and putting Goliath to death didn't put him on the throne and get him the crown the next day. There was still a whole lot of heartache between that moment and then the time that he would actually become the king. But then even after that, what do we know of David's story? There was still brokenness. There was still things that he did wrong and, and things that sometimes even when I read the Bible and read his story, I'm like, God, how, how is this guy, like the guy that's writing all these amazing psalms of songs of praise that the Jewish people have, have been singing for years to you, and yet he was so broken in different areas of his life. And what do we realize from that? We realize that, again, the, the, the role, the title, and the positions that we hold, whatever that may look like, doesn't define our purpose and who we are in Christ Jesus. It comes back to a place of knowing, number one, that I am a child of God. So if you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to know that you were created and shaped by God on purpose and that your purpose in this world is defined by God alone. And in purpose, again, it's not, it's not activity. It's not the doing, but it really comes back to this place of a state of being with God. And can we collectively, as a, as a church, as people together, can we trust that God working in you and you and you and those of you watching online and in me and in Pastor Kristen and, and in, in the kids that are part of Essence Place, can we trust that God working in each of us individually could come together in something beautiful that's an expression of God in this world that, that we haven't seen before and that we get invited into and get to be part of? That's part of our purposes. And here's where I want to bring things in for, for a landing, for an ending for us this morning. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, you know we did a sermon series on Ephesians, so these verses will be familiar. But in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord. I mean, we could get into all of that with Paul's life too. But I, therefore, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, he's writing this in, in chains as a prisoner. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. And he's writing this to a people that as they would hear this letter read, were a variety of people. 
from a variety of different backgrounds and ethnicities and experiences and, and gifts and talents. And he says, for you, you, you want to live a life worthy of the calling because you have been called by God. And then this is how he describes that life worthy of a calling. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And I think sometimes, especially, you know, we've talked about this, the, the gifts are meant to strengthen the body and, and, and to build up and strengthen God's church. And so sometimes I think, though, that we can get tripped up in these moments of, of, of always be humble, always be gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. And we kind of just expect a whole lot of each other. We expect each other to always get it right. We expect to hear the highlights of, you know, Pastor Kristen shares her story. And can we just jump from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop? Can we not talk about the valleys in between? Because that, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with that. And yet the scripture says from Paul, we need to make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And then verse number three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Paul is saying, look, we don't get to say in the, the variety of ways that God has gifted us and given us these different expressions of what God's doing in us that we're out for our own purposes, but it's actually, as Paul talks about in another place, it's like a beautiful tapestry woven together. And all, as all those threads and the multicolored variety of ways that it all comes together starts to display the manifold wisdom of God. This is multicolored, beautiful display of the wisdom of God working in us. And so when I think about it, I realized that there's really two aspects, and this is where I want to bring you into a place of, of, of thinking about a response to, to what God's been speaking to us this morning, is there's, there's obviously the, the personal aspect. Uh, my prayer has been for you as a church that you are stepping into new places of awareness over the last few weeks of, of who you are, being that child of God, being one who is deeply loved by God, of recognizing that, that yes, there are those false ways of living and relating in the world that um, God is asking you, kind of like that, that armor that David said, no, I don't need that, that you start to take it off and set it aside. But then at the same time, there's this other aspect where I realize for us as a church, there is a, a rebuilding, a, a, a reemerging, a strengthening that God is desiring to do for his church. Yeah, it's spring and there's, you know, new life and the sun starting to come out and it gives us this feeling of like, I'm alive again. <laughs> Just soak up that vitamin D. But I think there's also, as, we, as we've come through a year of experiencing a pandemic and we know it's not over and, and we still see there's a long road ahead that still has a lot of uncertainty, we recognize that there is still a purpose for God's church in this world. God has a purpose for Essence Place, not the name on a building or a logo, for us as a community of faith. And where does it come from? It comes from, like Paul is talking about here in Ephesians, the body of Christ coming together and our unique gift, talents, and abilities coming together and then freely giving of that to one another, making allowance for each other's faults, building each other up, being willing to step out and lead a small group, 
when it feels like, whoa, that's, that's overwhelming. Being willing to, to, to call somebody up who maybe it's been a little too long since we've seen each other and, and, and figure out a way to meet through FaceTime or for a cup of coffee or social distanced in the park or, or however you, you get together, but realizing that there is a bringing together that God is desiring to do in his church. Maybe for some of you, and I know we have a few in the room, that it's, it's time to step back into a physical space of meeting together um, here in person. And, and I, I want to thank you for those that have been on that journey with us and are, are coming to sit in the room together because I know there are a whole lot of calculations and things you have to think through in your mind to do that and to be ready for that. But as we journey through the spring and into the summer and then even the fall, like we are um, committed and focused on seeing a, uh, a reopening and a rebuilding of the church, of what God desires to do, of this uniting us together, of strengthening us together. And so you're going to hear over the next few months different ways that you're being invited to enter into that. One thing really simply that you can consider is um, even after, after Easter, what we're going to do is we're reopening um, our growth track classes. And we're going to offer them online, and we'll do it, um, you know, midweek in the evening. But it's a way for you to go even deeper in exploring what we've been talking about in this series. It helps you understand the growth track, what Essence Place is about, and what we believe the, the church and mission and purpose is supposed to be. But there's a section of our growth track that deals with exploring and discovering your spiritual gifts and then understanding how to take who God has wired you to be and integrate that into the community of faith and, and into your own home and into your workplace and, and starting to shift your way of living so that you're living out of a place of knowing who God's made you to be and then giving expression of that in the world. And so I want to invite you already now to start considering that and preparing yourself for after Easter, joining in the, the growth track and us starting to offer that cycle again and realizing there are other ways that um, God is going to be calling on you as the church to, to be caring for one another and building up again what God is doing here among us. Well, can I ask you to do this? If, um, if you would, will you stand with me? And I want to offer a word of prayer. And um, I know during worship... Pastor Kristen invited you to, to, to lift a hand in, in worship, and, and so she kind of um, got ahead of me even in, in what I had already put in my notes. But I want to invite you, if you can, as I pray, pray just to uh, bow your head, and, and if you're comfortable closing your eyes, and I want to call on and just two different groups of people. You know, number one, um, you know, if you feel like, and I want to just, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I just want to give you an opportunity for me to, to pray specifically for you. But, um, you know, to raise your hand, if you feel like you're in a place where you, you need that God's um, redefining work happening in your life, you've been um, becoming more aware of even the false self and the ways of relating um, to the world and to what God desires to do. And you're realizing, you know, it's time for me to to make a, a, a yes to God, to consent to the work of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, and, and I can pray specifically for you this morning as a group, and you want to just raise your hand and say, you know what, that's me. I'm realizing that there's a deeper thing that God is desiring to do in me. And so right now I'm saying yes to God. I'm saying yes to surrendering to God. I want God's help in, in um, putting aside this, this old self and stepping into the new self. Thank you for those of you that are raising your hands. And then as a second group of people, if you are saying yes 
to um, joining into God's work for us as a church and a community together, of experiencing and exploring that together, and you raising your hand and saying, you know what, God, I'm on mission with you, and I'm on mission with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're saying a yes to joining into what God's desiring to do here within us collectively together, to be in unity, as Paul talks about. Would you raise your hand, and then let me pray for us all together. God, as we have our hands lifted to you, we realize that even biblically, that is a sign of surrender, a way of saying yes to you, God. And so, Lord, in this moment now, we say yes to the Holy Spirit. We say yes to you working in our lives. I pray, God, that you would help us as we've been in this place of exploring and discovering our purpose and our identity and our understanding of who we are and who you've made us to be. God, help us to stay committed to that. I pray, God, that even when it feels like the work is happening slowly or it feels like not much is changing day to day, God, that you would help us to have, a, have an endurance and a strength that comes out of trusting that you are working. God, would you build our faith as we've been able to see your faithfulness in the past, the way that you've worked in the past, as we hear the stories of others. Would you, would you strengthen that and allow us to come to a place of humility and, and trust before you and that, God, we would commit ourselves to finding our purpose and our identity in you and you alone. And God, at the same time, I pray a prayer of unity over your church. God, as we surrender before you as a church and we say yes to what you have for Essence Place as a community of faith, right here in, in the greater Hartford area, we pray, God, that you would bring us into a place of, of trusting you, of fixing our eyes on you and saying yes to your work. I pray, God, that you would help us as individuals and collectively to begin to take bold steps of faith that we have maybe have never seen before. It's been a very long time. I pray, God, that as we begin to, to test out and, and trust the, the calling and spiritual giftings that you've given us individually, that you would help us to strengthen one another and at the same time make allowance for our imperfections and our faults and, and be willing to bring all of that messiness together as a beautiful display of who you are. God, we thank you so much for the work that was done through Christ Jesus that brings us into a place of belonging to you. So I pray today, God, as we prepare for the Easter season and remembering Christ Jesus' sacrifice and, and his life that was given so freely and then the power of the resurrection, that you would let hope rise up in our hearts even now. God, for the places in our lives where it feels like there is just an impossibility, where we're holding on to hope, I pray, God, that you would strengthen our grip on you, that you would fill our hearts and our spirits with your life and your hope today. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.